0: Hello, listeners. A friendly reminder that the companies and topics discussed on this podcast are general advice only. Please consult an advisor or accountant for any personal advice. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Market Pulse podcast. My name is Dion Gribben, and this is episode 31, the Salad Bar Edition. And I'm not going to waste any time this week. We all sort of know what the big news is that hit markets on Friday afternoon. But as always, we'll first grab a snapshot of the week that was. Sort of see where the indices landed as Friday closed. And then we can jump in and talk about, I guess, some of those sort of big points of news that came out towards the end of the week. But the ASX200 did end the week down. It was actually one of the worst weeks we've had in quite a while. It was down 25 9% for the entire week. A lot of that coming off the back of that Friday performance. Now, the US markets didn't fare as bad for the week. Now, the S&P 500 was up 1.5%. The NASDAQ was pretty similar. It was up about 1.5% as well. And, well, where to begin, really? It was in many ways a week dominated by political news from the US, the first and foremost of that attention for the week. I guess from both a markets point of view and a general news point of view was the first presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. But really in a case that happens often with news media generally in this age and especially when it comes to news regarding Trump, that debate kind of feels like a long time ago now because revelations emerged that the President and First Lady Melania have tested positive for COVID-19. Since that news, it has been, I guess, further confirmed that there are other individuals in the Trump circle that tested positive. So you've got Kellyanne Conway. I think in the last few hours, at least when I'm recording this, the former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie also tested positive. I think Trump's personal attendant did as well, but a lot of a lot of people within that circle. Um, I guess it's it's having a bit of a, a spreader moment there and I'm not going to feature the episode fully around this news specifically except to say that it, of course, did have a substantial impact on financial markets Friday Australia time when the news broke and as the news is also pretty fresh and I guess it's kind of ever-evolving, there's not much point jumping to too many conclusions. The latest that is, I guess, public news is about an hour ago. I'm recording this on Sunday around 2.30pm and this is on the 4th of October and that latest news comes from a White House physician saying that Trump has made substantial progress since diagnosis and I believe the quote is while he is not out of the woods the team are cautiously optimistic and now the elephant in the room of course regarding Trump is you you know you're not dealing with a young healthy person yeah this is someone in their 70s and when it comes to Rates of hospitalization or fatality rates, they are much, much more worse for an older person when it comes to COVID. It is worse for males too, instead of, or compared to females. And of course, the obvious one being it is worse for people that are obese, but we will leave it there because at the moment, anything further is pure speculation. The latest news from the White House and the team of doctors who look after Trump is that signs do look positive and Trump did release a video several hours ago sort of thanking the doctors at the hospital he's at he appeared to be speaking fine but yeah a development that no doubt the entire world will continue to watch but it's I guess the market will continue to watch as well and I was actually when I was thinking about it I was curious about the timeline of Boris Johnson's diagnosis back several months ago and you know, obviously, subsequent recovery, and I was curious about the point of view of how it impacted markets at the time because so I don't think I really paid attention too much. Well, I don't generally pay too much attention to the UK markets. Now, the key benchmark in the UK is what you'll hear referred to as the FTSE or the FTSE 100, which is the Financial Times Stock Exchange 100 Index. So, in the same way that you know, in Australia, we refer to the ASX 200 as our primary benchmark of you know, kind of how the market is performing overall, the FTSE would be referred to as a gauge on UK markets and UK business. So, and I went back, I looked at the timeline. So Boris Johnson, back then it was announced on March 27th that he had tested positive for COVID-19 and had started to self-isolate. And it wasn't until actually April 6th that the news came out that Boris was going to hospital and he then proceeded to be held in ICU for a few days uh, before eventually recovering now at that time well and I should point out you don't move to ICU unless the condition was worsening but he obviously did recover and at that time similar to what happened here at the end of the week the market reaction was of course negative in the UK, the FTSE 100 dropped about 5% that day uh, at its lowest it closed down about 7% from the point right before, like before the news broke So, but by April 9th so after so April 9th, remember the initial announcement was March twenty seventh. By April 9th, the FTSE had actually reached back to where it was the day before the news broke. So and now obviously Boris did he recovered and I'm sure that helps. But the market didn't take long to sort of correct itself from that initial sell-off off the back of the news of uh, Prime Minister having COVID. But since then, much like our market here in Australia, after an initial back I guess, a jump back from the lows of March, the FTSE has spent much of the year trading pretty flat. And if you actually Google FTSE and how to spell that is F-T-S-E, well, that's how it's pronounced, FTSE 100. And if you also Google ASX 200, our domestic benchmark, you'll notice that the charts are almost identical in terms of overall index performance for the year. A very different chart compared to say how the... Is S and P 500 looks for for the year that 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 has been so far. The S and P 500 obviously did actually get back to sort of where it was before before COVID sort of hit, and, and our market has definitely not reached that stage yet. And so perhaps the next question is why did our market fall on Friday off the back of news about a, well in this case, a U.S. president, and that is worth bringing up. And some of the answer is really just about the way that we j- tend to follow the U.S. and generally the market performance there is a good indicator of how our market might perform on any given day or the next day. And, but the big, I guess the biggest factor here, so the news broke of course, then you had Dow futures immediately falling without getting into too much of detail. But futures or in this case I referenced Dow futures, but futures are a financial contract I guess between, between parties that stipulates you either buy or sell a specific commodity in the future. Hence the the name of futures. So I gave the example, I should say, of options trading the other week, and that isn't that's different to options trading. You don't have an option. You know, a futures contract is binding. So, and a futures contract, you're speculating on, say, the future price or the price movement of something like a currency or like a commodity. In this case, Dow futures being the movement of the Dow Jones Industrial Index. They tend to set the tone of what's Maybe what's the day's going to be like there on the markets? And given our market was still actually live at the time, so it was Friday afternoon for us and the American markets had not opened, those futures fell, our index fell off the back of that just, I guess, reacting to the fact that it was likely that the US market would fall on Friday, which it did. And whilst this is ongoing news uh, around the development of Trump's health and I guess I'm thinking also about the debate because the debate was this week as well. Which again, it doesn't—it feels long ago now that this stuff is sort of broken. But Trump may have had it at the debate and not known. And whilst he was socially distant from, say, Joe Biden and other people in the crowd, etc., he's still in an enclosed environment, still in an enclosed space, which is a high risk. But we will see what happens. It's very much a developing story and although there is a long weekend in much of Australia, the market does open on Monday, so we will see what happens. Obviously, the performance of that market might be pinned to somewhat, I guess, what the news will be over the coming days regarding Trump's health. But we'll move on. I don't have a ton to talk about this week. I feel like I was very much following more the political scene than the market scene and how that sort of, played out on the markets but we'll talk about some of the things that happened here in Australia one of the biggest movers on Friday because Friday wasn't a good day if you were a shareholder of this company was Mesoblast a bit of a volatile stock at the best of times but Mesoblast fell just over 37% on Friday alone they are an Aussie health and bio or biotech company probably is the better reference there and Much like many biotech companies, they tend to sometimes take an arrow in the knee from the US FDA or the Food and Drug Administration as they are known, and especially when they're trying to receive approval in the US for some kind of treatment or technology that biotech firms are usually working on, Having being someone that's invested in a biotech firm in the past. It's not, (laughs) you're just sort of waiting often. It's a betting game on the FDA approval and all this kind of stuff. But in this case, the FDA hasn't actually slapped them with a no, you're not approved or you're not going to be approved or something like that. It was actually a please go and do another trial kind of notice that the FDA came down on Mesoblast. And that, you know, the investors don't like, you know, again, uncertainty delays. It kind of spooked them, of course, hence that huge fall um, on Friday. The FDA as per the market release from the ASX notes that the FDA recommends mesoblasts conduct at least one more controlled study to provide further evidence on their treatment which I'm not even going to pretend to try and pronounce the name of their treatment but uh, speaking I guess from mesoblasts themselves this is aimed at bone marrow transplant patients uh, specifically a rare disease that comes off the back of those kind of patients who have blood cancer and which they believe is is very important and not something that's um, treated or has has some kind of treatment for at the moment. So, but not a great day for investors in Mesoblast. But alas, the joys of investing in biotech. And another piece of it's not really specific to a stock, but it's and it's not really super new news. It's been sort of out there for the last couple of weeks, and I saved it here, which is kind of regarding a new kid on the block in Australia for investors, which is a new online trading platform called Superhero. And if you're like me, you may have seen ads for this through social media. I've mostly seen it on Instagram, especially lately, just shoving it in my face, um, trying to get me to pay attention. And, well, it's not nearly as bad. when I, Whenever I go on YouTube, I'm constantly bombarded with ads from eToro and Alec Baldwin telling me to skip this ad, which I promptly do. So, terrible Terrible job there, Alec Baldwin. But back on track, Superhero is a new low-cost trading platform for ASX investors. Now, this isn't a spruik or any or any kind of promotion at all, Like, but it, it's an interesting piece of news in regards to their brokerage. So their brokerage comes in at a flat fee of $5, and that's for their basic account. And if you're used to some of the more, I guess, big incumbent trading platforms in Australia, like that of a Comsec or a Trade. I'm trying to think of others. Maybe CMC Markets, Interactive Brokers. You know, you can kind of go on. There's quite a few out there, but your that flat fee of five dollars is a big deal. That's not something that's really a thing amongst those big incumbent brokers. And we've talked about brokerage before. It is. I was going to say it is important. It depends on your trading or investing style. If you're someone that you know, say if you were buying, I don't know ten thousand dollars worth of Macquarie Bank shares because. They're a good long-term stock to hold, and you're going to hold them for a very long term. It probably doesn't matter too. I mean, it always matters what you're paying in brokerage. But it, what I'm trying to say is, I guess if you're someone that might trade a bit more actively, or you try to do regular amounts that they're investing, it's it becomes a little bit more important to think of that brokerage fee. For five dollars, very accessible to to sort of new traders and and maybe people that are putting in small amounts. Now I said here that this superhero platform has two account types. So there's a basic account, so that's it's free, and then you just pay five dollar flat fee brokerage. But I guess some of the differences compared to that to say some of those incumbent brands that I mentioned like a NabTrade or a Comsec is this basic account, the pricing and sort of news is has a 20 minute delay. I've heard of that before, um, so that it's kind of like a basic level. I guess that's why you're getting at that cheap price point. So if that's not something you care about, then you then you know again maybe if you're investing for the long term, you're not going to care about any kind of breaking news over the next twenty minutes. But that's something worth keeping in mind. Now their other account is called Live, so it's a step up from the basic. Again, similar the brokerage is just the same, so five dollars, but uh, market data is live. But you do pay a Monthly fee for this account, so you pay nine dollars according to their website to access their live account. And sort of what pushed Superhero back into the news this week was, according to the AFR, they reported that because so that this this trading platform launched on September seven, obviously coming out hard with that five dollar per trade, but also actually I should note they they've got a minimum investment of hundred dollars, where you'll find that. Much most other trading platforms, the minimum investment will be five hundred dollars, not a hundred. So it's very, again, very accessible. We'll go back to that. But the AFR reported this week that you know it's basically a month in, so exactly almost a month in, and they've onboarded, they've already reached ten thousand customers, which is quite a lot. So, and apparently their growth rate it says here at times was almost one person signing up every twenty seconds. So. And you see that Superheroes is also being referenced to as an Australian version of the of Robin Hood, which is a trading platform in the US that offers free brokerage. And it's <laughs> it's kind of famous for being the one that's used by a lot of speculative punters on the on the stock market over the US in different stocks. And we've seen you've almost seen this kind of echoed chat about speculative punting on the Australian markets. Especially in the last few months on you know talking about stocks like Brainchip and why they're sur- why it did surge so much over really what was nothing, but I guess the point here that makes me consider something like superhero is just that yeah again, very accessible, very cheap price point for new investors, you know very attractive looking platform all those kind of things are very important as well, and i guess i'm I'm curious as you know as competition continues to sort of grow in this space, does that force the incumbents to continue to keep lowering their brokerage? You know you have seen some incumbents or some of the big brokers over the last few years change aspects of their brokerage to bring down the price. Nothing as cheap as five dollars a trade, but they've still been forced to sort of move their hand, and so that will be something that will be interesting to keep watching. I guess the other thing that sort of stood out to me about superhero was this the whole idea around the hin number which again from a from a traditional point of view if you signed up to one of those big stock brokers this week you know the say the account would be in your name so first and last name and then you would be assigned a hin number which is hin holder identification number and that that is in aligned with the ASX's system so that hin number represents i guess your portfolio So if you wanted to move to a different broker, you could move that HIN over and move all your portfolio over to that other broker, for example. Now, I'm just going to quote Rask Media here and they sort of talked about the difference here or sort of innovation here on what superhero are doing. So they say most traditional brokers assign members an individual holder identification number, so the HIN. Instead, superhero will hold members' shares in a single special purpose HIN. They will move away from manual processing, allow these cost savings to be passed on to members. So that's interesting. So it sounds like that there you won't have your. So and I looked at the FAQs for Superhero, and your shares are held on a hin. But I, I, as as far as I can see, yeah, it's not something that's specifically in your name. It's this special purpose hin on the ASX's platform, but different to the way that those sort of more traditional brokers would hold it and again that might not be important to you but it's yeah i don't know it's very different to i guess what i'm used to there on the back of that that's why from what i can see too about this new platform superhero it's not something that you could transfer say your existing shares to they well they've said that it's not something that could be done at the moment at least you can only have an account in your name. So again, it's very basic. Like you can't, it doesn't seem like you're going to be at this stage, I should say, be opening accounts in different types of entities and all that stuff. So, so obviously more of a, of a, of a basic offering, but I'm sure more than fine for most individual investors. So maybe I should just try that one. It might be just worth seeing what it's like. Well, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the market pulse podcast. I'm sorry. We didn't have much of a topic. I, To be honest, I couldn't really find much that I really found interesting this week. The the biggest news was by far what happened on Friday with Trump. And again, that's still going to be the thing that we sort of follow on the podcast over the the coming week or so. Again, if you do have questions for the show, you can submit those through to marketpulsepodcast at gmail.com. Hope you're enjoying your weekend. Hope if you, well, I mean, if you do get a long weekend, enjoy your long weekend. But cheers for tuning in. I'll see you next week. Bye.